the Links and Locks podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome once again to the Links and Locks podcast. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. He is Len Hochberg from Rotowire. Coming up, we're going to break down all things DFS for the Honda Classic. Okay, maybe not the field that we had at the Genesis Invitational a week ago, but hey, these weeks are fun. You got to dig down and find some diamonds in the rough. So we will do just that over the course of the next little bit here on the pod. But first, let's look back to the Genesis Invitational. Len, you are out there at Riviera for a few days. I'm very jealous of you. And oh, by the way, that guy that went wire to wire, Joaquin Neiman, I think he was in our lineup that we made here on the pod last week. I can't fully remember. It was a long time ago. That was a week ago, but I'm pretty sure we had Joaquin Neiman. Let's just say we did. How's that sound? Yeah. If we had him in the lineup, it was you. I was not on Joaquin Neiman last week, but he was on his game. It was a lot of fun out there. They had good weather. You know, some years it's miserable weather. If we get miserable weather here in LA, it tends to be in February. Been some rainy weeks, but it was beautiful weather. The course was in great shape. It was just a lot of fun getting out there. And and after last year, when there were no fans, their fans were back. I had a, a great time and ready to get going going for next one the pga tour moves of course from the west coast swing to the florida swing so i think there's something about trying to erase your memory trying to recalibrate your brain to think about which players play well on the east coast bermuda greens back to sort of the usual that we see more often outside of that california and west coast swing so we're going to the honda classic where like i mentioned zero of the top 10 last week we had 10 of the top 10 playing that's as many as you can have in the top 10. You can't have more than 10 of the top 10. This week, nobody from the top 10 is playing. Only five of the top 25 in the official World Golf ranking. But hey, Len, like I said earlier, sometimes that makes it a whole lot more fun because we can differentiate a whole lot more. Let's look at this top tier, starting with tournament favorite, Sung J.M. He's 11,000 in DraftKings, uh, a worthy candidate to be the most expensive player this week because quite frankly he's got a great record won this event in 2020 he was tied for eighth place last year he's coming off an an okay finish i believe 31st last week at the genesis invitational but still some jay uh, like i said he is a worthy favorite this week worthy of being at the top of the salary list on DraftKings. he's followed in this upper tier by louis ustazen at 10,800 joaquin neiman Still in the field as we're speaking right now on Monday evening. Maybe he's not still in the field by the time Thursday morning rolls around. Certainly wouldn't shock me. I'd be very, very careful if you're putting Neiman into your lineups. He's at 10-6. Daniel Berger, a home game for him at 10-4. Brooks Kepka, same thing. Also a home game. He is at 10,001. Len. Where are you looking in this top tier? Yeah, I do like some, and I like a, a few of the guys because there aren't that many of them. It's, it's an interesting week for me, and I think for all of us, in that you know normally DFS DraftKings when we make these picks, they reward birdies, they reward aggressive play. You, a birdie is worth more than a bogey is a detriment. This week, that sort of aggressiveness will get you in the water, and it may not be bogey; it may be double bogey. So this is a different week. Most of the time, Time. The winner is in single digits. Last year it wasn't, but Matt Jones shot nine under on Thursday and 
then three over the rest of the tournament and sort of cruised from there. So we're going to be in single digits. Pars are good scores. And Sung J.M. is about as boring a player as there is. And I mean that in a good way. And respectfully, he is like either first or second on tour in bogey avoidance and bogey average. Eighth in tee to green. He just gets from point A to point B as economically as possible with, with no flash. And, and he was eighth last year in his title defense. And, and he won the year before. So he's the perfect guy for this course. And I think Daniel Berger and Billy Horschel's in the nines, uh, but those two other guys toward the top, I think are also very conservative players. They don't really get into a lot of trouble. They're not very aggressive. I like them as well this week. Yeah, Len, I tend to agree with your assessment there. I think that if I'm paying up, I'm paying all the way up. I like Sung JM. I love the combination of the fact that he is a world-class ball striker and also a world-class scrambler. That's a really nice combination to have on most weeks, and it's an even nicer combination to have at PGA National where, hey, you've got to hit the ball really well, but you're going to miss some of these greens, and when you miss them, you've got to be able to get up down and make par. They're not going to be a whole lot of birdies, especially in comparison to what we've seen over the first two months of the season, only four times in the last 15 editions of this event since it moved to PGA National have we seen the winning score in double digits under par happen last year, Matt Jones, 12 under, but second place is only seven under. So it's an outlier sometimes, even if the winner goes into double digits. So essentially what I'm saying is pars are very important this week. You're not going to see too many birdies. Sung JM is a guy that's going to grind out pars. If I'm paying up, I'm paying up for Sung J and quite frankly, Len, I don't love the top tier, but again, if I'm taking anybody, uh, I'm going all the way to the top. I'm taking him, who's rightly the favorite this week. And he's only 11. That's the lowest top guy I think we've seen all season. 11-7, Rom was recently, not last week, maybe the week before. Even 11 will save you a few hundred dollars somewhere else along the way. Berger and Kepka missed the tournament last year. Both were in it and had to pull out with injuries. I'm kind of thinking that Kepka may... Well, try this week. I mean, <laughs> I just think, and they get his brother in the tournament. He lives down there. I think he's going to try a little bit more than maybe we think normally. I might disagree with you there. I think that Brooks Kepka is motivationally challenged. How about we say that about him this week? I, I'm not so sure that he's going to go out there and play his best golf against an inferior field. I think he needs the world's best, the best of the best to give him a little challenge and get him excited about a week. But who knows? We will see as this continues. All right, let's get into the 9,000 range where we've got Tommy Fleetwood at the top of their point. I was very surprised at Tommy Fleetwood's odds. I know some of the books are varying more so early this week than they usually do, but at DraftKings, Tommy Fleetwood was second on the board at 14 to 1 to open. He's 9,900 in DraftKings DFS. I don't like any of that. I don't have a problem with Fleetwood. He finished third and fourth in his two previous starts at the Honda Classic. Obviously likes his track, but he was probably playing better golf at the time when he had both of those results. All right. He's followed by Billy Horschel, Shane Lowry, Alex Noren, Matthew Wolf, Keith Mitchell, and Matt Jones, our defending champion. He rounds out that second tier. Len, 
Who do you like out of this group? Well, just off the top with Fleetwood, I, you know, I saw on the DraftKings book, he was the number two guy at 14 to one. I mean, that's ahead of Berger. That's ahead of Kepka. I mean, maybe they don't think Kepka tries. I don't know. He's down to 43rd in the world. And the vast majority of that is his European results, his international results. You just took his PGA Tour events. He certainly wouldn't be in the top 50 in the world. So I was just really surprised to see that. But Billy Horschel, 9,600. He's another guy on my list who minimizes mistakes. He's around 10th or 15th in bogey avoidance, bogey average for the season. Not great tee to green guy around 100th, but he's a good scrambler. Greens will be missed this week. You want to get up and down, as you said, and he's played well. He was 11th at Torrey, 6th at Phoenix. He wasn't in LA. I like him. Keith Mitchell, I mean, we've talked about him almost every week, and now we come to a place where he's won. He has three top 12s this year. I do like him a lot as well. Yeah, like I mentioned, I don't love Fleetwood. I like Horschel. I think Horschel's a nice play on this board. Doesn't have a great record. A couple of top 10 finishes, I believe in seven career starts at the Honda, but good enough. And what I like about Horschel is that He's played well on the West Coast, and the East Coast is, for the Florida native, much preferred. And so it's not like he's going from missing the cut every single week to going cross-country and, all right, fingers crossed, hope he plays better. No, he's still playing okay right now, and he should continue to play better. So I don't mind paying up for Horschel this week. Shane Lowry, great hands around the greens. Just not sure I can trust him right now. I'll have a, a small investment in Lowry. Don't love him. Really like Alex Norton. Anytime we talk about, hey, it's tough conditions. The wind's going to blow. You don't have to shoot 25 under because no one's going to get anywhere close to that number this week. Alex Norton feels like a really smart play. He's played pretty well. Contended at Phoenix a couple of weeks ago where he wound up finishing in a share of sixth place. Matthew Wolf, very bullish on throughout the year, but I just don't think it's happening for him here. And then Keith Mitchell is a guy, again, like him full year. I'm very scared of not being on him on a week when he pops because I, I want to be on him all the time. And I think he's going to have, like I said, a really, really strong year. So let's move down to the 8,000s. We have a lot more options here. Len, where are you going with your plays? I'm going all the way into the mid eights already here at Jonathan Vegas. I don't pick him too often, so I always have to go back and check the spelling of his name whenever I go with him, and so I had to do that this year. He's played this tournament nine times already, and he's made eight cuts. Now, 8,500, you need more than that. But he's got a fourth, a 12th, a 16 through the years. I was surprised to see he's 26th on tour this year in strokes gained tee to green. And that's really what this week is all about if you're going to find one number to look at. And Aaron Wise, he has not been as good in the, the start of 2022 as I expected. I think some others, but really this should be a good fit for him. He's $8,400. I think he might fly a little bit under the radar. He's never missed a cut here in three times, 13th last year. I think might be able to find some separation from your fellow uh, competitors if you take Aaron Wise this week. Len, I feel very much the same about Aaron Wise as I feel about Keith Mitchell, which is don't love him this week, but I do love him for the long term. And so I don't want to miss him in the short term because I do like him in the long term. So I'll have a little investment. Two guys I'm very bullish on moving forward. Spoke with Aaron Wise at TPC Scottsdale a few weeks ago. Really good kid, really bright kid. I like that he's working on his game. He's in the middle of playing five weeks in a row. I think he's making too many mistakes right now to be really sharp at PGA National. But he is a guy that, like I said, I think has a world of talent. 
All right, my favorites from the 8,000s, a couple guys at the top, a couple at the bottom. Mito Pereira seems like a guy that everybody's on this week. He is at 8,900. Maybe a little inspiration from his mentor, and I say that in quotes because there's a weird dynamic going on. Joaquin Neiman, who won, of course, the Genesis Invitational this past weekend, he's been around on tour. He's a wily old veteran at this point. He's sort of been showing the ropes to Mito Pereira recently. Oh, by the way, Joaquin is 23 years old. And Mito is 26 years old. So it's a sort of interesting relationship they've got going. The two best players from Chile feed off each other. And if Mito needed a little extra inspiration, I think he might have found it from Waco, his buddy, this past weekend after that victory. Patrick Reed, very interesting. Patrick Reed, underpriced, undervalued most marketplaces. Hasn't played as bad as I think most people believe he has, but... It's been okay for Patrick Reed. Again, really good short game, and that's going to work well for you this week. I don't love Patrick Reed, but it's almost like they're begging you to take him this week. So I like the guy just below him on the board on DFS this week, Brian Harmon. Again, another guy that I could just watch him hit chip shots around the green all day. Great touch, great hands around the green. He's at 8,700. And then I'll dip down to the final two players in the 8,000s this week. Russell Knox, hey, I don't know if you know this, but he is from Scotland originally and tends to play some good golf when the wind is blowing. Oh, by the way, the wind always blows at PGA National. Winds supposed to be gusting as of right now up to close to 30 miles an hour on Thursday for the opening round. Just a little less than that, but about a two-club wind when it's gusting on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So that's something you'll want to watch. I think Russell Knox is a guy 33rd place. In each of his last three starts, I'm not even mad. I'm amazed. I'm not sure how you do that. Tiger Woods has finished before first, first, first in three consecutive events. I'm not sure I've heard of a player going 33rd, 33rd, 33rd. That is a statistical anomaly that I'm not sure has been broached before, but congratulations, I suppose, to Russell Knox, kind of in golf purgatory where it's not great, it's not terrible, just sort of, eh, but I do think it's going to get better for him. And then my favorite outright play on the board this week, and henceforth, he will be a solid DFS play, I believe, as well. Christian Bezadenhut. I think I got that right. That's as good as I can do with the name pronunciation there. There's a lot of letters. There's a lot of vowels. I think I say it differently every single time. I do like his game. Good ball striker. And like we said, that combination of ball striking and scrambling. He's really good with a wedge in his hands around the greens. He's won three times already on the DP World Tour in his career, which is what the European Tour has been renamed as. And in two of those three, scoring was not low. Birdies were tough to come by. So he has shown a propensity for playing some of his best golf in difficult conditions. And I do think that this could be a really special week for Bezadenhut. Yeah, that's the type of player this week. Get a birdie here and there. I mean, be happy with par most of the time and get a birdie here and there. And actually, I do like Mito. I know why I left him off my list now, because just on Twitter this morning, it seems like this could be Mito Chalk Week. I thought, eh, I'm not going to be helping anybody by putting him in my column. But I do think there is merit to playing him. 261 double bogeys or worse at this tournament last year, and 230 over par just on the bear trap. I just have these numbers, and I just want to say them, because they're just outrageous numbers. And 230 over par at the, just at the three bear trap holes. And that was even a, a mild year last year. It wasn't even terrible. They had over 500 over par in 2018. I don't even remember what happened. Maybe block that out or something. Len, if the WM Phoenix Open, which we 
watched a couple of weeks ago is the best people watching on the PGA tour. And yes, by the way, it absolutely is. Then the Honda classic might be the best golfer watching. I mean, if you watch NASCAR for the car crashes, if you just want to see the accidents, Honda classic is for you because these guys are going to take some turns a little too low and go crashing into some walls this week. Let's put it that way. So let's dive into the seven thousands, a nice range where we've got a lot of different players to choose from. Len, who do you like here? Yeah, there are a few guys here. I think I see some more, if I can say this respectfully, kind of boring guys who, you know, just try and get from point A to point B in the quickest possible fashion. Taylor Moore having a very good season, had another very good week last year. He's a little pricey, but up to 7,900. He's never played this course before. I always like to see if a guy can be here and handle the situation all, but he's pretty accurate. 525s already, including last week at Riviera, pretty good bogey numbers, strokes gained putting. And, uh, you know, he just gets up and down. He's not flashy and he just gets all the way down to, from T to green really efficiently. Chris Kirk at $7,500. I don't know why that Chris Kirk T to green numbers are much better this year than they've ever been before. He's 23rd and also the actual number is very good. He doesn't have the best course history here, but he's a veteran. He's played this a lot. 14th at Phoenix playing pretty well. And Lucas Glover, Lucas Glover has played this a ton, played this tournament well a bunch of times, top 25s. He's down at 7,400. We don't need a super high finish for him to pay off. Trouble once he gets on the green, but he's accurate with his drives. He's fourth in greens and regulation. Very steady player. I want some guys to make sure I get to the weekend. Len, you mentioned Denny McCarthy. Look, I really like McCarthy this week. There's a lot to like. He's got four top 15 finishes in his last seven starts. He finished in a share of third place at this event last year. The only thing I don't like is, and and I'm not good at predicting ownership. We've got fantasy labs where you can look at ownership projections. You can do that on RotoWire, your site as well. But if I had to guess, I'm guessing Denny McCarthy is at least in the top five ownership this week on DFS, if not first or second. I mean, I just think Denny McCarthy at... 7,800 is almost an automatic square right there. The automatic middle bingo square where you just put your chip down right away and move on from there. So I I do like McCarthy. I'm just worried about him being a little too chalky. All right. Also in the 7,000s moving down this list, Grayson Sig has been playing nice golf recently. He's got a high floor, but maybe a bit of a low ceiling. I don't know where the upside is yet. Still learning the ropes. Here is rookie PGA Tour season, playing really well on Thursdays. I've got him as my first-round leader this week, but tends to not blow up, but just uh, the scoring average gets a little higher Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But still, I think he provides a little bit of value this week. And then I'll move down to Sam Ryder, who is eighth at this event last week. We all saw that epic hole-in-one celebration. I'm not sure the beer is dried off of him yet and dried out of his clothes, but he finished 23rd the following day at the WM Phoenix Open. And then 26th last week in LA, comes back to his native Florida this week. I think he's a guy that we can target in the Sunshine State. And then two more names at the bottom of this list, Dylan Fratelli at 7,100, massive upside. I mean, we talked about just a second ago, a guy like Grayson Sig having a high floor which means essentially I don't think he's going to play terribly. He might not play great, but I think he's going to be worthy of being on your team. Dylan Fratelli is sort of the opposite. He's high ceiling, low floor. In his last 12 starts, he's finished top 30 six times. The other six, 
he hasn't finished at all. He has, he's missed the cut in those six. So it's either all or nothing for Dylan Fratelli. But I don't mind taking that chance at 7,100 for him this week. We know there's some upside. Then at 7,000, one of my favorites, Doc Redman. I'm just glad we get to talk about Doc Redman once again. Boy, he's played okay on the West Coast Wing, enough that we can come back to Florida. We're on Bermuda Greens once again. I've been bullish on him for a couple of years now, and he's there's been some good. There's been some bad. It's been up and down. I do think Doc Redman is going to settle into PGA Tour life at some point and be a very solid PGA Tour player, if not better than solid. But I do think that he's... Trending in the right direction, a little conservative play at 7,000. I don't mind throwing him in the bottom of a couple of lineups this week, Len. And remember, I mentioned it before. I'll say it again because it's pretty important for those listening. For whatever you've done over the first close to two months of the season with the Hawaii swing and the West Coast swing, you almost have to rewire your brain as they make the cross-country trip and switch over to the Florida swing because players you liked before you might not like now and vice versa players that you didn't like before. Now you do like. Yeah. And plus, well, I guess the players, the majority of the players love to get back to their beloved Bermuda grass and get away from the POA. And we as players, we've got to make sure we lock our lineups three hours earlier. For me on the West Coast, got to do it the night before because already underway by the time I wake up here in LA. It looks like, and wanted to get your take on this, it looks like we might be seeing where the first iteration of an attempt to copycat 16 at TPC Scottsdale. At 17, at the end of the bear trap, They've added a double deck. I mean, they already had stadium seating around much of the place, not in the water, but most of the places. And now they're adding a double decker. They're really trying to create a vibe there and stuff. And, and they're expecting something because they're they've announced they're going to have extra security there. So they're sort of like encouraging people, not, you know, thinking maybe it'll happen and stuff. So we might be, you know, I think every tournament's going to want to get some Phoenix vibe. And why wouldn't they? Look, I get it. And I'm surprised that more tournaments don't try to replicate 16 at TBC Scottsdale because who doesn't want to have a party at their event? Who doesn't want to have massive amounts of people having fun, showing that off on TV? More people come the next year because they go, hey, look, there's people. They're having fun there. I want to do that. It just makes sense. That said, I've been to PJ National and PJ National, no offense, you are not TBC Scottsdale. So it, it'll be a party. It just won't be the party that we've seen over the past month. That said, all right, let's dip down to the 6,000s a little bit. Len, I've got a couple of names here. Hayden Buckley, I can go with. Brian Stewart, and no offense to the Stewart family, if you're listening right now, Brian's been a fine player for a long time. I mean, no offense, but Brian Stewart is... About as unsexy a DFS play as you can find. You know what? The Honda Classic is sort of one of those unsexy types of events where you don't need flash. You don't need to hit at 350 and making 25 birdies during the week. You just need a guy who's solid and steady, fairways and greens and two putts. We can get that from Brian Stewart. He's at 6,600 this week. And then just one more complete dart throw. Curtis Thompson, 
playing a home game this week. He hasn't played great lately, but hey, maybe surrounded by friends and family, maybe he goes off and plays a little bit better. He's worth a shot. If you're paying up for a Sung Jay and putting some of the other, maybe a burger or a Kepka in a lineup with him and you need somebody super cheap, maybe Curtis Thompson does something for you. What do you think? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Brian Stewart. I don't have him this week, but very often he's sort of a go-to guy for me in the 6,000s when I'm struggling to find somebody and you want to just find somebody to make the cut and get to the weekend and then maybe hope for a good round or something. Yeah, exactly right with Brian Stewart. He's just a, a perfect, uh, I need somebody in the sixes guy. I do have Hayden Buckley on my list too. One other guy I have at up a little bit at 69. I'm not quite sure why he's up at 69. A little Would have liked him at 67 or 66, but Mark Hubbard, he's played this tournament a number of times, played this tournament five times already. He's only missed one cut. He was disqualified a few years ago. I don't know what happened there. He was 11th in 2020. He played last week on the Corn Ferry Tour. He was in, in Florida, so he's got his sea legs or whatever you want to call it in Florida. And that was the Ben on won the tournament. He finished sixth. He's shown that he can compete at the Honda too and very low bogey numbers. Top 15 in both bogey avoidance and bogey average. I guess that means he doesn't get a lot of birdies because he's not a top player, but he stays out of trouble. Let I'll give you one more name too. And I give you this name with a little trepidation because he's not available yet. He's not in the field. Chase Cypher is going to be part of a 16-for-1 Monday qualifier playoff that's bleeding into Tuesday morning. I don't have complete faith that he's going to get through in that, but he's also, I believe, the first alternate in the field. And so it's someone, somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get sick. Maybe there's a COVID-positive test somewhere where, where Seifert gets in. He plays some good golf in Florida. He was tied for third at this event last year. This is right up his alley. And so if he does get into the field, if he gets into the field early enough, DraftKings will put him on the board and give him a salary. I can't imagine he'd be much more than 7,000-ish. So I think he's a nice play. And I always like targeting guys who weren't in the field and weren't on the board for DraftKings at the beginning of the week. I feel like that cuts back on ownership and maybe you can get a nice play with Stifer if indeed he does get in. All right, let's get to our ultimate lineup. As always, Len, you've got the first pick. We're going to make six picks, three for you, three for me, back and forth. You are up first, sir. Yeah, I think I'm going to go way up at the top this week. I don't always do that. And I tried to save you some money. Sung JM uh, is just too good. And I don't know, maybe too obvious. You know, somebody else asked me last week, you know, what do you do if everybody's on somebody? And I, and I say, if you really think a guy is going to do well, if you really think he's going to win, well, you can't avoid them. Just you can't double cross yourself just because everyone else is going to be on them. There's still five other players that you can find separation from the people you're competing against. If, so if you like Sung JM, and I think there's so much to like, Sung JM is, is just going to be a popular play, but I'm going to go with him. Yeah, Len, I wrote my column earlier today, my preview of the Honda Classic, and I put Sung JM as my free bingo square. That was before salaries were even listed, but I just think that he's too easy of a play this week, so to speak. There's just a little something where you say, okay, I'm, I'm not sure about Kepka if he's motivated. I'm not sure about Berger if he's healthy. Not sure about Ustazen if he can really go out there and win and be yeah, kind of motivated like Kepka, but some JM, I don't really see any cons. I see only pros there. So yeah, I have no problem starting out this lineup with Sung Jay this week. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm all on board for Sung Jay. There's nothing not to like about him this week on this track in this field. 
All right, Len, I mentioned him. He's my favorite play on the board as far as betting. So obviously that translates to him being a good DFS play as well. Christian Bezadenhut. I feel like I'm getting it. The kids call him Cbez. I feel like Bezadenhut could be a nice play this week, as I mentioned earlier, and I won't go over everything again, but good ball striker, good around the grains. That should be a nice combination. And yeah, he's got some win equity. I mean, this is a guy who's a world-class player. This guy that's won three times, as I mentioned earlier, on the DP World Tour. Not a surprise if he goes out and gets a trophy on the PGA Tour soon, and it could be this week. Oh, up to me. Okay. Taylor Moore, like I said, a little pricier than I would have liked. He's got five top 25s. He was really one of the, the top corn fairy guys I was looking at of the 50 coming out. He just was one of the best guys and maybe even wrote about him as a you know, sleeper to watch and something. And it's nice to at least see that he's starting to perform and it's a long season. And sometimes these guys, they peter out as the fields get bigger and better and and it gets tougher. Right now, he's playing very well and safe, consistent golf, which maybe prevents a very high finish, but is a good recipe this week. 7,900. All right. I like this range where we're looking at low 8,000s, high 7,000s. We've got Denny McCarthy right there at 7,800. I want to pull the trigger, but Len, I talked about it earlier. I just feel like he's going to be so chalky at that number. Boy, I don't know if I want to buy into the big-time ownership. We'll table that for a minute. For now, I'm going to go with Russell Knox at 8,100. Like I said, really good win player, really good ball striker. We've got the high floor. I do think there's a, a potentially decent ceiling there as well for Knox this week. He's a good player. Hasn't played his best golf over the last couple of years, but I can see him absolutely contending at a tournament like this. All right. Well, I'm going to go all the way to the bottom. There's a guy you mentioned, but a guy I like as well. Hayden Buckley, another Corn Ferry grad. Unlike many of the Corn Ferry grads from this year, he actually played this tournament two years ago. Not sure how he got in, if he Monday qualified and didn't really research that part, but he played the tournament. He made the cut. Always like it if a guy has seen the course, especially a tough course like this where experience could help a little bit. Very straight hitter of the golf ball, 17th in driving accuracy, 28th in greens and regulation, 35th strokes gained tee to green. He's struggled a little bit in 2022 as the fields have gotten tougher, but the field is not going to be that tough this week. All right, Len, I like it. You left me with 8,400 here. I like the Buckley play. As I mentioned earlier, Aaron Wise, I'm so bullish on full year. I just, in the short term this week, I... I'm just not seeing it. And again, I hope I'm wrong because I do like Aaron Wise. I think it's going to be a big year for him. I'm going to wait and see on him. After that, Mackenzie Hughes, he's played really well here in the past, contended two years ago, but he's not playing his best golf right now yet. I'm going to wait until we get to some fast greens where Hughes really tends to pop. Gary Woodland, South Florida guy, I believe it's a sleep in his own bed type of week, but hasn't played his best golf either. Gary will get it going at some point. And then we get to Ryan Palmer. I just saw a stat today. Ryan Palmer, since 2007, the most balls in the water at the Honda Classic out of anyone. That doesn't seem like a guy you want to target, even though Palmer's a good win player. So maybe it's just a case of quantity, not lack of quality. So uh, that leaves us with 7,800. And well, the guy I was going back and forth on earlier. And yeah, let's eat the chalk. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the ownership won't be as high as I think. But Denny McCarthy has all those measurables, all the metrics we're looking for. Obviously, a really good putter. He's got top 15 finishes in four of his last seven starts and finished in a share of third place last year. So there's the lineup. M. 
Bizadenhut, Moore, Knox, Buckley, McCarthy. I like that lineup. It's a good start. Anyway, thanks so much to everybody out there for listening. For Len Hochberg, I'm Jason Silva. Remember, you can find our podcast anywhere you can find your favorite podcast. You can download, rate, subscribe, and yes, please, as always, listen. Good luck to everybody out there with your DFS lineups for the Honda Classic. Here's hoping you hit the green.